Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. Father, we thank you for this time to come together. We thank you for the opportunity to gather around your word and to learn more about you. We thank you and praise you, Father, that your word is infinite. Uh, nothing can stop it. Your word cannot and it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you send it forth to accomplish in the name of Jesus. We thank you for being in our midst this morning. We thank you that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We come against every foul, every demonic, every uh, distracting spirit in the name of Jesus. And we command you to cease any and all maneuvers in Jesus' name. And Father, we give you the praise and the glory this morning for everything that will be said and everything that will be done for your glory's sake in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, let's get right going with it. And we'll, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. But before you just go ahead and turn there. Um, um, for those of you that um, uh, will we'll be doing communion this morning, so you should have communion elements at your, your seat. Uh, a couple of announcements. We will have our regular uh, prayer uh, on Tuesdays and on Fridays and then our Bible study on uh, Wednesday. Are you all catching the Bible study on Wednesday? Um, uh, it's a good study on uh, submission, the discipline of submission. I would encourage you to go and catch that uh, when you can. Well, as you well know, there's so much going on in our, in our world today so many things that we need answers to and I believe the word of God has those answers as a matter of fact it is the answer uh, the, the being definite article the answer it is the answer and um, so I want to go back to our definition as we've been talking about the power of righteousness this is our, our fifth installment on the power of righteousness um, and you know that's it's a term uh, where if you don't know what righteousness means um, then it's easy to get uh, um, uh, to not be able to flow with what God is talking about when He's talk speaking of righteousness and righteousness. Uh, uh, un the if it's if it's misunderstood, uh, can have everything to do with keeping a standard or keeping a law. But when you fully understand what righteousness is, it goes far beyond that. So I want to go quickly over over. Um, those definitions again before we go get into Hebrews chapter chapter ten, and our foundational scripture is found in First Corinthians uh, Romans chapter, excuse me, First Corinthians Romans, excuse me, uh, chapter eight verse one. It says, "Therefore there is now no condemnation, no judgment, no pronouncement of a judgment to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." There is therefore now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, many times we can hear that particular scripture and hear a lot of people say, no condemnation. Now, there's no condemnation, but what do we really mean when we say no condemnation? Do we really mean that in a way that it's transformative in our lives, that we truly walk without condemna condemnation in this world? Because really until we get to a place where it's practically lived out in our lives, can we really deal with the other 
uh, offsetting elements in our lives. You know, I think it's Hebrews chapter 10. It says, get weight of the sin, the weights and the sin that thus so easily beset us. Well, if you think the weights and the sin that so easily beset us are who we are, then you can't really deal with them because it's hard to go to, to a place where it may be creating shame in your own life. A lot of people try to get rid of shame by hiding it sometimes with their personalities, uh, sometimes uh, through works. You know, they just try to keep on doing stuff, doing stuff, doing stuff until they just kind of drown out the condemnation. Problem with it is it never really goes anywhere. You know, a person who drowns out their, uh, their uh, inferiority or their fears or uh, their uh, insecurities by drinking or by drugs, when they come off the drink or when they come off the drugs, guess what's still there? The condemnation, the, the guilt. So you have to, we have to deal with it. It has to, sin, none of us were made to deal with sin without help from someone. And so when we look at Scripture, and uh, we want to define these again, these would be definitions I would give to you. The New Testament uh, righteousness means to conform to a standard. It means conforming to a standard or better yet conforming to God's standard. Uh, and we know that God's standard is perfection. That is God's standard. Now we're going to deal with that a little further today because a lot of people have a real difficult time using that word that God's standard is perfection because when they look at themselves in the mirror they say well that's I'm imperfect and yet uh, you're saying that God's standard is perfect, then uh, there's no way for me to get there if th that be the case. Well, you're exactly right. You cannot get there. That's why we need a complete and total overhaul, not a half and half, not a mixed uh, version. It's not some of his works and some of my works. It is completely and wholly Jesus. That's what makes it, makes it so that we can get out of the realm of uh, what do I need to do. When you think about it in that vein, that it is not two-thirds him, one-third me, 50% him, 50% me. It is 100% Jesus. That is, the, that is it. That is the reason. That's why we can go with, with a certainty that we are and, and a boldness before God because it has zero. I said zero to do with your own righteousness. Zero, a big goose egg, zero to do with our own righteousness. It has everything to do with his rightness. And we have to conform our minds. When the Bible tells it, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it's talking about we changing the way we're thinking. Not, not once we get born again. We don't have to do anything with our spirit anymore. But we do have to do something with the way we've been taught to think the way it's been ingrained upon us for, for multiple decades, even centuries, and has been handed down to us. Now, how do we hand things down? We hand things down by just casual conversation in a house. You talk. We have rules. We have things that, that we don't realize sometimes we're handing down to people, but that's what we're handing. Society will hand down certain things. That's what we're dealing with in society today is a sense of inequality uh, or unrighteousness, uh, superiority, inferiority, uh, fears, condemnations, all those things are ingrained within the culture, within society. So when it tells us to be in the world but not of the world, it's talking about 
be outside of the culture of the world, the mindset of the world, the way the world has been taught to think and to act. He says that we are to come up above that and to not think that way. And that's important for us. That's why righteousness to me is, is fundamental for us to move along. If we don't get that one piece, then we stay where we are. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't be good Christians, but we're just Christians who have been limited in our ability to overcome in this world. And therefore, we have to, to use a lot of different mechanisms and, and systems uh, to get by with. But God never meant it that, to be that way. So it means, um, secondly, it means to the ability to stand before God without a feeling of guilt or inferiority. Now, who's the only person that you know of that can stand before God without feelings of guilt or inferiority? Jesus. He's the only one that could really stand before God without feeling guilt or inferiority. And so can we because there is no condemnation for those who are what? In Christ. In Christ. So when, when, when he's standing before God, we are standing before God, and there is absolutely zero, zero, zero reasons for guilt or feelings of inferiority. And, 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 and that has to transfer over to the rest of our lives, the way we live on a day-to-day -day basis, is we have to begin to live life without any guilt, without any, any inferiority, without any sense of being less than. Uh, we're not less than, you're not less than, and unfortunately the church in many ways has not done a good job of sharing that message of, of, of matter of fact, it's been more, more uh, palatable, that means easy to taste and eat, uh, to consider ourselves worms, to see ourselves as less than, to see ourselves as these, these just poor old sinners who are walking upon the earth. And, uh, and this kind of talk kind of makes some people upset because when everything is based upon, and our society is, is based upon uh, works to get in. In other words, you have to get in through your works. And, and you need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. And, and you, did, you, you need to get there because you have worked hard, which is far, far, far away from uh, what God is saying to us, you know. It's not about pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's by receiving his grace and functioning through that reality that God has done the work and I'm just simply doing the work and the power through his enablement, through his strength. So we can stand before God without the feeling of guilt or inferiority. And then the latter part of that, of, the, the, uh, of this, well, not the, la the, the third part of that is absolute rightness. Now, absolute simply means nothing in between. It's absolute. There's, there's no mixture of anything. It's 100% we are right with God. And then lastly, it's the, the outworking of that, the very goodness of God demonstrated by our actions is righteousness. So it's, it is, but that comes last, and I put it there purposely, that, that righteousness is the very, the very um, outworking of what we are on the inside. It's, it's who we are being worked out. It's who we are being demonstrated by the way we treat and live and operate with other people. Now, today is one of my favorite scriptures. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10. You should be there already. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1. So, 
So as we go into, through this, this is a, according to Judy, uh, this is our fifth installment. And, and really we need, we need about 52 more or more than that installments on this message simply on righteousness. Because we just don't get it. We don't get it one time. You don't get it by saying I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We get it by actually thinking it and then going out and acting like it's so. Thinking it and then going out and acting like it's so. That's how true learning takes place. That's how transformation takes place. And uh, it, it is not good enough just to be in a setting like this and hearing the word of God and then go and lose our minds and forget about everything we've just learned and act like we're still the victims. Act like we're the not the head and, and, and not, the, uh, uh, not uh, above only and not beneath, but below only and never above. You know, most people are of the mindset that we're forever the victim. We're, we're ever seeking to get there. We're ever trying to make it. We're ever trying to get a, ahead. But, but that's not the way God wants us to see ourselves. That doesn't mean that conditions have it that, that there are some who have, because of inequalities, been put uh, up under and have been uh, involved in things that have been oppressive to them. But we don't have to be uh, the oppression. We don't have to be uh, subject to it from the standpoint of it dictates my life. God has given us a system that is above that. Because if we're in this world, then our own, uh, only uh, ways of getting ahead is by either barter and trade or by going to war. And we see both of those things happening right now. You actually see more war going on right now than anything else because that's the way man gets ahead. We don't. We subscribe to something far higher. We subscribe to the kingdom of God. We say that the kingdom of God is where our goods come from, is where my nature is from. And that's who I am. That's, that's, who, that's what I subscribe to. That's what I believe about myself. And so we must all do that in order for us to get where God wants us to get to. Um, you see, uh, because of the way we've been trained up, with, 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 uh, there's always been a striving after or, but never obtaining, uh, trying to get there, trying to make it work. But I'm telling you, when we begin to renew our minds according to the word of God, there are certain things that we have to really begin to wonder whether or not we should have them uh, uh, or repeated or even uh, spoken of. Uh, and I mean that in this light. You know, uh, if you look back, and there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever, absolutely nothing wrong, and I understand many times where it comes from, but, but I want you to, in, in light of Scripture, consider every single thing that you hear, consider everything that you sing, consider everything that is being said to you, consider every movement that has been made. Now, uh, now this may offend some, but it's okay. Um, you know, because of where, where many, uh, and because we are acutely dealing with the issues of race right now, and that's why we're going we're gonna to talk about this, because I think fundamentally that's the issue that is going on in our country today. But, but when you look at, at, at um, um, the song that many times is sung right after uh, the, um, you know, at, at many events like uh, an M.O. King breakfast or something, the song is sung, We Shall Overcome. We shall overcome. Nothing wrong with it because when that song was made, that's what it felt like. We're going to overcome someday. 
but, but, but you need to understand the revelation of having been seated by, uh, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, having, having being above only and not beneath, triumphing in all things through Christ who is our strength. The, the scripture that says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, those are, those are things that would cause us, once we begin to think about it, to begin to say things like, I have overcome. I have overcome. Now, now, circumstantially, it may not look like it. Circumstantially, it may look like I'm still behind the eight ball. But God didn't tell us to walk by sight. He told us to walk by faith. He told us to walk by faith. So everything that is going on around us has to succumb to or be submitted to the word of God. If we're ever going to live out the reality of our faith, then we're going to have to side with the word even when my feelings don't feel like it. Even when I don't seem like it's not that way, I've got to side with the word of God. So, so when, I, when I'm singing my, and, and people around will tell you, I'm like, I have overcome. I have overcome, I have overcome today. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe I have overcome. Now, what if everybody began to sing that triumphantly? What, what, if, what if we all said, you know, hey, 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 today people were changing the song just a little bit. We're going to sing it from this vantage point, whether you like it or not. We're going to say, I have overcome overcome because you got to call those things which be not as though they were you understand you got to call those things which be not as though they were am I saying that we're on the top am I saying equality has happened I'm not saying that I'm saying that according to the word of God God tells me to see it that way and that's the way I'm going to see it that's the way I'm going to talk that's the way I'm going to live my life. That's the way I'm going to act. That's the way I'm going to present myself. And so as we're moving forward, we need to always make sure that we are, are making God's word preeminent in our lives, that it's number one. I don't care. I don't care what the movement is. I don't care what people are trying to accomplish. I don't care any about those things. None of those things are necessarily wrong in and of themselves, but I'm not getting it mixed up. I'm not missing the mark. I'm not going to get mixed up because at the end of the day, here's the deal. This is the real deal. The real deal is what does it prosper a man to have gained the whole world and to have lost his soul? What does, it, what does it prosper for us to fight and war and battle and get it and not having presented Jesus Christ as the true reason for equality, as a true reason of acceptance? What, what does it really matter then? Here's the important part. This just came to me the other night, the other morning. I was just thinking about it, and I shared it earlier. Um, he said, you know, here's what we need. To, here's what you need to understand. Is that, and all those other things that matter, they do matter. He said, but Jesus matters most. 
Think about that just for a minute. Jesus matters most. Jesus matters most. What, listen to me. What if things never get any better? I'm not expecting the world to get it better. I'm not expecting them. And I'm not saying that things can't get better. And I'm not saying that things should be better in the church. I'm just saying that what if it never gets any better? I still got Jesus. You know, I still got Jesus. If nothing ever changes, matter of fact, even if it goes down, and it could, it could spiral downward. It could get worse. It may even look like things haven't gotten any better but have actually gone worse. But guess what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to still get up in the morning. I'm still going to worship God. I'm still going to make my confessions that I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loves me. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I'm still going to make the same confession. I'm still going to say the same thing. I'm still going to act like I'm still above all things and below none. And that's what we got to hang on to. Listen to me. I read a scripture the other day, and the scripture said it was, it was actually, a very, actually some very difficult times uh, that Israel was having, and Israel was about to get wiped out, and God was really encouraging Judah through this. is in Isaiah chapter 13, and he said, the scripture said this, and, I, and, I, and I'm kind of paraphrasing it best I can remember. It says, Jesus, you know what, let me just, let me read it so that I don't mess it up. How about that? Listen to this. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7 and verse, verse 9 says, Israel is no longer, is no stronger than its capital, Samaria, and Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Ramalia. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. Listen, hear me well. There are some things that I believe are going to come down in these next year, maybe months, that are going to be required that we got something on the inside of us. Because he's saying, I cannot make you firm unless your faith is firm. Unless you, have firm, unless you have faith, I cannot make you firm. That makes sense to me. If nothing's there, how can he make something firm? And so what I'm telling us right now is get the word in us. Get the word in you. Get the word in me. Don't, don't use this time to just kind of do nothing, set it by, and not read the word of God, not get yourselves into the word. He says, he will cause us to be firm when there's something on inside of us that makes us firm, and that's his word. We don't want to get to a place where something comes down and we have spare tire faith. Spare tire, like where, where's that, where is it at? Where, where is it at? Where, oh, my goodness, where is it? No, 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 you better, we better have it on the inside of us now. All right, so here we go. Turn to uh, Hebrews Chapter 10, and we're going to start. Now, this scripture defines what? Four things. Number one, what happened to sin, why it happened to sin, 
who we now are in Christ Jesus, what freedom we have now because we're in Christ Jesus, five actually, and how we are to deal with one another. Those five things are all in Hebrews chapter 10. That's why it makes it one of my most favorite uh, blocks of scripture, Hebrews chapter 10. These things, we'll see them. Now, if, if this doesn't make you jump and holler, you can't jump and holler in here this morning, all right? Just go down. I know you're going to want to. Just pat your foot. Go like this. Like he's doing. Like just pat. But don't jump and holler. Don't scream either. Just, just make sure you, you keep it, you know. All right, so here we go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 says this. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach perfect. Now, we've we got to stop in these places because I don't want us to run past some things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a, a fundamentally, uh, fundamentally, not slow as in, as in I, uh, lack of comprehension, but slow as in I just don't read fast. Okay, I don't want y'all thinking I'm slow. <laughs> but I don't read slow. I mean, I don't read fast. I read, I read slow. I always have tried to speed up, but when I speed up, I don't, read, I don't catch anything. It's like it's not, not there. So, so I read very slow, and sometimes I have to read a passage two or three times, but it helps me out because I, I think I get some stuff that some of you fast readers don't get, okay? Because I have to, I have to sit by the, script, the, the sentences for a little while and say, hmm, what did that just say? So, so in this particular scripture, he, he's saying here, the law was a shadow, the shadow of something good that was coming. And we all know that the shadow is not the real thing, right? It's not real. And never, not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So what, did, did anyone ask a question after that sentence? Did anyone ask a question? What is the question? What is the question? Listen again. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never make, can never with these same sacrifices, which they are continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. What's the question? What is the reasonable question after that sentence? How can they get perfect, right? That, that is the question, right? You just saw it. It said, with, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. So, so if it's a shadow of something good to come, the thing that is good to come must be the thing that makes people perfect, right? That's what we're, that's what we're breaking down, right? We just said it. The, the law couldn't make them perfect, but something is coming that will make them perfect. So now my question is, I'm still on the journey. I'm asking the question, what's it going to be? What is, what is it that's going to make us perfect? Perfect. P-E-R-F-E-C-T, perfect. In every sense of your imagination, perfect. What does perfect mean? It means perfect. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Everything is right. Right? That's what we mean when we say perfect. That's why we don't refer to ourselves as perfect often, do we? Right? Because we don't see ourselves as perfect. But notice what he says here. 
For when for then would they not have ceased to be offered, for the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a, remain, a reminder of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. So whatever is coming down the pipe, it's going to be able to do something that the law could not do. And what the law could not do is the law could not take away a sinful conscience. The law could not do it. How does a sinful conscience work? When we think of a sinful conscience, what do we think of? Have, have any of y'all ever done something to someone and, and, and been around that person and you still got it on your mind? What happens? Sometimes we try to avoid them. Sometimes we try to, to misdirect them, right? Like talk about something other than what actually happened between the two. Sometimes we just simply, simply do our very best to make sure we eliminate them in some way or another. We try to get rid of the, what makes us conscious of sin. But he says this thing that's coming is going to cause us to have no more consciousness of sin. He said the blood of bulls and goats could not eliminate the consciousness of sin. He said there is absolutely no sacrifice that would take away sins. Nothing. Now, I want you to think about it just for a minute. What are some of the things that, that the world does, or maybe even ourselves, maybe even, and I'm not saying this of, of you all here, but I'm just saying it to, to those who might be listening. Sometimes we do a lot, of, a lot of sacrifices in order to eliminate sin. When I was in college, um, I would go to church normally about once or twice a year. Once or twice a year, this is when I was in college, when I first went to college, and I grew up in church, went to church all my life. But about once or twice a semester, I would say, I would go to church. And that's why I was at school. Now, when I came back home for breaks, Wayne Lilly wasn't playing. You had to get up and go to church. It was just no question about it. So that wasn't even an option. But when I was in school, when I could make my own choices, I went to church, to school, I mean to to um, um, to church once or twice a year, and here's when I did it. I did it around exam time. I felt like here's what I needed to do. I needed to clear my conscience. You probably went to that first Baptist church in Carboro yourself, didn't you? <laughs> so here I am on I'm on campus in in in, in uh, at, at uh, Carolina. And uh, there was, uh, Carborough was really the only place that, you know, that there was a church for us to go to, apart from some works that were on campus. Uh, and so I would go there. What was I doing? Why did I go? I went because I had an evil conscience. And I knew that I'm going to need all the help I can get for them exams. So I went to church, and I'm going to be honest with you, it helped. It really did. I felt good. After, you know, an hour and a half, two-hour service, I walked out of there and I felt like God had done something to me. And I, I felt good. I felt like I could approach the week with some, some, some confidence that, that God was going to be on my side. Well, where did I get that from? I got that from a mentality that my sins needed to be taken care of. And many there were. 
But that one dose of that two hours in service, and I guarantee you that church probably saw that more often than not. People just like me come in like this. Saturday night, they just don't want to know where we were at. And, and walk up in there and, and, and say at least one amen. Soon and very soon, I'm going to see the king. Hallelujah. <laughs> and literally, I, you felt a dose of being cleansed. Just a dose, just like I can make it. Now, am I the only one who had that sensation? I know some of you other religious folk had that same kind of conviction in your heart growing up. And I could just, you know, I don't, I've been dirty. Let me just, no, that's what we've done. But there is no sacrifice. There's no sacrifice for sins apart from the sacrifice that we're going to talk about in just a minute that could literally take away, take away sin. And, and a lot of things, I think the, 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 what the world does, you know, uh, you see a, a big hunger, feed the children kind of a thing that's done by not a Christian organization, but a kind of a secular kind of an organization or, or a bands come together for Unite, you know, that kind of stuff. I truly believe that a lot of that is just straight out of, com, uh, uh, um, what, is, what was I just talking about? Um, guilt. It's out of guilt. Like, yeah, you know, if we, we go and help these people. I'm sure that there's an element of wanting to help. But a lot of it is, man, we've been living so terrible. Otherwise, why is it that we all try to appear good before other people? Even if we know we're bad, we try to appear good. You notice that? You know, why? If it's okay to be bad, then just be bad. Just talk bad. Just cuss. You know, don't, don't give me no, no, you know, oh, sorry, Reb. No. <laughs> just go ahead and let it out. <laughs> You know, and today, no, nobody, nobody wants to be a racist, do they? No, 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 nobody. Nobody. That's like the worst of the worst. Of the, nobody wants to be a racist. Even though there is markings of it all around us, nobody. That's like, no, no. That's like a terminal illness right there. And the reason being is because we're all trying to, uh, to atone for our sins some kind of way. People go to church. To atone for their sins. People, people sing, people minister, some preaching even. You know, and I just, well, I did preach. I think he likes me. No, he don't like you because you preached or talk. He likes us for something far bigger than that, far more costly than that. He's not into superficialities. He's into this is why. Now, when we get to know that, it makes life a whole lot easier. Look at verse um, 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which I offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have been sanctified, we have been sanctified, set apart 
through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once and for all. What Jesus did for us was done once and for all. Now notice, he said he took away one thing so that he may establish the other. In other words, here's what he's saying, the two cannot coexist. Did you hear me? He's saying that the law and the life cannot coexist. Either we're going to live by the life or we're going to live by the law. That's why the scripture says, who has bewitched you into thinking that having started out in the spirit that you can now finish up in the flesh? He says the two don't mix. It's like oil and what? Water. They don't mix. You cannot mix law and faith or law and what Christ has done for us. He says he took away the law completely so that he might establish the second, which is life in Christ Jesus. And we need not ever go back to it, even though it will be the draw. It will be the thing that will snuff the life out of you. It will be the thing that will cause you to not want to even be a Christian anymore is the law. It is that thing that, 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 that everybody is looking at you with a measuring rod, always seeing whether or not you measure up. And, and you walk in the walk line because you think now, having started out in faith when you were nothing, and now you think that you're something because you're doing the works. He said that doesn't work that way. You can't mix the two. And that's why it's so liberating when we begin to realize that it's all about Jesus Christ and he's helping me to come along. That he actually has already made me right and now he's helping me to get this thing right here right. See, all the tools for doing right, once you receive Jesus Christ, the tools for doing right are already there. But how to do right and how to think right is up here. I shared this earlier that, you know, uh, I, as you well know, um, these are t my two golfing partners. I beat them terribly bad. Bad. Like, 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 they, they tell me, we can't bring you out here no more, Pastor, because you're wearing us out. It's actually not that way at all. But, but over the times that we've been playing, um, there are things that, if, that, that you actually begin to see yourself getting better at. You're getting better at striking the ball. Getting better at at least staying in bounds. Getting better at. Now, the tools are there, meaning I got two feet, I got two hands, I can walk, right? I'm relatively... I mean, I'm relatively coordinated, relatively athletic. So, so the tools are there, but I got to get everything connected, like up here and all in my, you know, because it really has nothing to do with how hard I can swing it or how fast I can swing it. It has nothing to do with that. It, it has to do with some other connections that are going on. Now, I said all that to say this. I said that it takes time for me to become a better golfer. And having said that, I will never become a great golfer. 
So I'm between right now a terrible golfer and a being a better golfer. I started at terrible. Now I'm a few. I'm, I'm a better golfer now. And and how do I know that? Because I don't lose as many balls as I used to. That's how I know I'm a better golfer now. But I'm never going to work so hard as to become a great golfer. I, I just I, I don't have the time. And I started too late to become a great golfer. I'm not going to be able to spend that much time. But here's what I do know is I can become more and more like Christ every day. The tools are there. And I can think about it all day long. And I can stop and I can, I can, I can start making better, using the golf and I can make better shots at my righteousness. I can think better. I can uh, operate in certain environments better. I can, I can have more rulership over the domain that God has given me better as I learn how to walk this thing out in righteousness or find out who I am. Now, I want to get to this, this last part here. Oh, I forgot. I started a little late, didn't I? All right. So, um, did I get to verse 7? Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. And he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that will we have... He, we, we have been sanctified, set apart through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That's a done deal. And then, verse 11, and every priest stands ministering daily, offering to repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, who is this man? Jesus, this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, one sacrifice for sins forever. Now listen to me. He says, he offered one sacrifice for sins forever. He did what? He sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. Now, I want to stop right there. What does setting down indicate? Done, right? That's what setting down means, Done. He's not going to come back and, and make another sacrifice for our sins. He doesn't need to. He's already done it all. It is finished. It is complete. It is over with. We don't have to go back and forth and vacillate between am I right, am I wrong. No, we're 100% we're right with God because he's made a, a sacrifice for our sins. He has remitted. He has taken away our sins forever. They're gone. Like, like literally gone. We, we don't have sins before God. Our nature has completely changed. And then he says these powerful, almost, if you can't, cho you'll, go, you'll choke on them. Listen to this. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God, 
From that time, waiting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected for six months those who are being sanctified. Did y'all read that? Did I misread something? What did I misread? He said, at, this, at his right hand, from, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool for, wait a minute, where did I get to? Yeah, for by one offering, he has temporarily, no, he has perfected us forever. How many of you would be so bold as, um, hey, Brother Gary, how you doing? Perfect. Oh, shut up, man. You ain't perfect. Hey, Brother Eric, how you doing, man? Perfect. Oh, get out of here. Hey, Sister Amy, how you doing, Sister Amy? Perfect. She thinks she's better than everybody else. Isn't that how we would think about it? We would not deal with that very well, would we? To be called perfect. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that, but I am suggesting you, when you are in your own private quarters, see yourself as perfect. Don't trip. Don't stumble. Don't fall. I'm not telling you anything that the Word is not saying. He says he has perfected forever. He has perfected forever. Yeah, yeah that's what it means. It's complete and done. It's, it's finished. We are as perfect as we're ever going to get. But he's not talking about our actions here. He's talking about our existence. Our existence, our new creation. What we are as new creatures are we are the perfection of God. Now there's some other stuff we got to work out, right? There's some other stuff that still needs to be changed, right? I told, I told them in the earlier service about our dog who still has the nature of a dog. How do we know she has the nature of a dog? She's lived with us in our house all of her life. All of she, so she's in dog years. She's about 70 now. So she's still getting along. I think it's the milk bones. But she's lived with us all her life. She's a little older now. Her hips are a little stiff. But she's, she's there. And so the other day, uh, I looked down on, on the, on the um, pillow uh, where she was uh, next to her. I mean, she was on the pillow. And I looked, I turned my head just slightly. And I looked, and I said, what is that? I said, what, what is that? And then I looked at it closer, and it was a bird. She had brought in the house a dead bird that one of the cats, and the, and the head of the dead bird was chopped off. And like the, the cat must have ate the bird's head off. And I'm like, you got to be Tasha Tiger. Why would you bring a dead bird in the house? She looked at me and said, I'm a dog. I mean, she did. She looked like, what did you expect? Come on now. 
I know I've been in this house the whole, you know, fallen, but don't you ever forget I'm a dog. And that's why God had to change our natures. Because sometimes our nature still wants to bring our, our sin consciousness, our thoughts, still want, still, we still try to bring that bird in there. But in actuality, we've been changed. We've been made the perfection of God on the inside. And we don't live like that anymore. And that's why we began to appeal to one another. You know, we may have grown up in some environments that, that and, and it's so, so it's easier now that, that I know I'm the righteous, I'm the perfection of God, that if I had been, and, and the thing I have to begin to say is I, I got to understand that, that, that it's okay if I have some ingrown ways of thinking, that I've been trained to think certain ways about certain things, about certain people even. And the worst thing that I can do is to, to and the reason it's so important for us to establish that, that we're perfect and made right because of what Christ has done, not because of our works. Because if you can't separate the two, then you can't go to a place that brings up shame. But if you know shame has been dealt with, then you can go there. You don't have to make up excuses for it. Well, I'm not a, yeah, you probably are in here in your head. I'm talking about Christians. You probably are in your head, not in your heart, not in your spirit, but you probably are in your head. All of us probably have some isms in our heads. I don't care what side of the, 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 the color um, spectrum you're on, you probably got some stuff in your head. Through casual conversations around the table, around the, the people you grew up with, the, the, the company you've kept, you, we probably have some stuff, and it's okay is what I'm trying to tell you, to have them, but it's also our responsibility to do something with them. And the very first thing we got to do with it is acknowledge that it is there. And when we acknowledge your sins, he says he's faithful and true to do what? Cleanse you. Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And that's really this, all this, all that is really needed right now is, is you know, stop running from it. Don't, don't, it's okay, man. I ain't mad at you. Listen, I got some stuff to do. Just go ahead. Just, just say it. Say it. Say it. Don't deny it. Don't act like it's not there. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Don't pretend that you didn't hear certain things. Don't pretend. No, no, no. no don't, don't do any of that stuff. It's okay. You know, I'm going to end with this right here. I was, I was, we were at the, um, we were at the courthouse this past Thursday. And you know what happened this, that Saturday, I thought, Saturday ago. And so this past Thursday, we were there with a prayer group, and we were praying around the thing. And there was a group of people there, uh, about three ladies. And they were there getting people to sign petitions about the statue, you know, to keep it up. And so we invited them, said, come on over. Would you like to pray with us? And they was like, um, well, there was one that was more vocal than the rest of them. And she was like, um, um. Uh, come on over here. And she called her crew over here, and they came over here. And we started, you know, first we, we got into a little dialogue with them. And, and uh, you know, and they asked, you know, well, why is it that you want to keep the statue up? And they began to share why they were wanting to keep the statue up. And, and they were, you know, over and over again, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. And we're like, that's fine. We're, we're, not, we're not arguing with you on that, whether or not you are or not. That's, that's you know. But, but anyway, and then we, we began to share with them why, why, why it, what it meant to people 
uh, so to some people, why it, it, it may have a, a, a sense of a stigma to it to some. And they were like, and then we said, you know, and do you know, do you know that there was a, a man that was, um, um, help me out, uh, that's, uh, lynched, and his body was laid down there at the foot of that statue. They were like, one of them said, I, I didn't know that. She said, I'm not signing this petition. And then we prayed. They stuck around for the whole prayer. And you can see the countenance of all of them change as we sat there and prayed and invoked the Spirit of God upon that place. And then they began to talk a little bit more. And one of them said, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. And she still signed the petition. But she said, I'm not a racist. She said, my, she said, my daughter has got a black boyfriend and one of them's got an Asian boyfriend. I'm like, well, all right, sister. I mean, it was a time of confession, you know. It was like confessing all kind of stuff was coming out. And then I said to them, I said, I said, I said listen here. I took a look at them. I said, I said, I need, I need to ask your forgiveness. It's like, what? I said, you know what? I said, because I prejudged you. I said, I saw you around that statue, and I just immediately made some assumptions about you. And when I did that, I don't see color. I don't see white. I don't see black. I don't, like, I didn't ask for all of that. I'm just telling you, I'm just, let me, let me cleanse my conscience here. But here's what we, here's what we know, is that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. There's another gentleman. We talked to him at the square. <coughs> We began to talk to him, and he, he was actually one who was actually signing up there. And, and, we, and I, so I went up over to him. I had, had some food, and I went over and talked to him. I said, I said, listen, I said, I just want to understand why, what, it, what does this mean to you? And the pitch is always, I'm not a racist. I said, I, I, I done heard that, but now I'm, I'm convinced that that's the truth now. <laughs> but, 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 but I don't think he is a racist. I think he may be very prejudicial. Racism is a whole lot bigger than, than, than just, I don't like your color. Racism is, is how we can affect people from a social economic status. That, that, that's, and a lot of people that are prejudiced are really not in a place of power to influence it. Maybe they have benefited from it, but they're not necessarily in that same vein. It is corporates and corporations that can really institute racism far better than that one guy on the street who is, you know, doing what he's doing. And the more we began to talk, he began to call out names. This is my buddy, and I know him. And, and, and I said, I can't call the person's name. He said, yeah, he was just up at my place just the other day. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Really? He said, yeah. And so the more we began to talk, you began to realize that people are always seeking after a sense of being right. Even if that righteousness means keeping the statue there or pulling the statue down. Many of the time, it's a sense of I feel right. This makes me feel right. I feel righteous when these things are the way they are. And here's what I want everyone to know is that 
the only solution and the only answer to the guilt of man is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that makes us right so that you don't have to appeal to anything else. You don't even have to cover history up. You can just let it be. Just, just let it, just let it. Don't have to sanitize it. You know, when we talk about the, 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 um, the UDC, the, 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 the United Daughters of the Confederate, their whole goal was to cleanse the past so that they could, I think, feel more right. And I would say to them, you don't have to do that. Jesus is all you need. Jesus is all you need. Let the past be the past. Let it be what it is. It is. It is. Don't have to clean it up. Just, just allow us to be the righteousness of God and go back and cleanse, cleanse in our soul what the past has kept there. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. I'm getting the services mixed up, so if I said this earlier, forgive me, or if I said it and I didn't. But anyway, this popped in my mind, and I don't know if I said it in this service or the last service, but I was just thinking the other morning, and this came to my mind right here. Of all the things that matter, white lives matter, black lives matter, all lives matter, but Jesus matters most. I'm starting a campaign. You can join it if you'd like. J-M-M. Jesus matters most. <laughs> Jesus matters. Let's hear Jesus matters. Jesus matters. Y'all brought me all this stuff out of me this morning. You. <laughs> all right. Praise God. You get something out of this today. Let's pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we do thank you and praise you. You do matter most, Jesus. You matter most. You trump everything. You are so vitally important to mankind that we have somewhere to dispose of our sin consciousness so that we don't have to do anything out of, out of a motivation of make, being made to feel right, doing things to appease our conscience, but we can do it just strictly out of love, just out of love, 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 that you love us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Father, while there are people here this morning, people around us who will be listening to us by video or by podcast, and maybe they've been running to from to and fro trying to deal with their sin consciousness. Maybe they feel like they're being dumped on right now for things that have happened in the past and things that are going on even right now. And they may be using excuses or maybe feel heavily accused right now. I pray, Father, that they'll understand that Jesus is our righteousness. And he came into this world to be made, for us to be made right with him. So I pray that you would deal with each one by your Holy Spirit right now. So if you are there and you're listening to me by video or you're listening to us by podcast, 
And you say, Pastor Logan, I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. But I have. I've always dealt with guilt. I've always dealt with shame. My head's been bowed down. And there's so many things in my past that I just feel guilty about all the time. I want you to know there is a remedy. And that remedy has a name. And his name is Jesus. God sent him into the world to save sinners just like you and I. Just like you and I. So that we no longer have to be sinners anymore. We can be called the saints, the separated ones. Have been separated and called out to God. So if you're here and you say, that's you, and you want to do something about it right now, this very moment, you can. You can do something about it by simply making a confession of faith in Jesus Christ. So if you would, repeat these words after me. If you're listening to us by podcast or even in here, just say these words along with me. God in heaven, your word tells me that if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. Jesus, come into my life today. I thank you for carrying away and sending all my sins away. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.